Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, The Winter Soldier, Chapter 10. Ed was surprised by the news. Right under our damn noses, he's exploded. No wonder we couldn't find any evidence of drug smuggling at the honey warehouse. That was a blind, and we fell for it, just like raw recruits. <laughs> the question is, what do we do now? So I asked coldly. Since Rodrigo didn't warn us about this, have they found him out and disposed of him? I hope not, Ed said sincerely. But I can't help thinking that he would have warned us if he'd been able to. He ran his hand through his hair. Hell of a time to make this sort of, sort of discovery. When Lopez is ready to ship his newly supplied new supply out of his distribution network, it gets worse. From what I saw, I'd say he's ready to go tonight. We'll have to go in now. Heb said it once, or we'll miss the trance, and we'll have to have help. He had I counted at least twelve men. Even with our experience, we won't be able to take that many men armed with machine guns. I know, but we can't do it without authorization either. So I returned. We live here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up as an expatriate American. Neither do I, Hibbs I said. There's another constant consideration, too. If Rodrigo's with them, still undercover, the feds won't know, and they'll shoot him. We have to go in with them. I have a few contacts. I can call them favors. So can I, so I agreed. Let's compare notes. With a little luck, we may be able to bring down Lopez's local network and save Rodrigo all at once. It rushed, it was rushed and hectic to get the necessary people notified and in place, but they managed it just. The sheriff pulled two deputies off patrol and called in two more special detectives deputies. The DEA only had three men who could get to Jacobsville in time to assist with the surprise attack, but they were dispatched immediately. Two of the best officers from the local police department, Palmer and Barnett, Bar Barrett, volunteered to go along with the sheriff's force to help. They might still be outnumbered, but hopefully it would be possible to take the drug dealers by surprise and close down their operation. Nobody wanted a drug cartel operating out of Jacobsville. Cy was putting on his night gear when Lisa came into his room and gasped. Where are you going? She exclaimed. He turned, black face, mask, and hand to study her. She was wearing sweats, yellow ones, that made her blonde hair look more blonde. It was loose around her shoulders, and she had that particular radiance that pregnancy bestowed on a woman's face. Lopez goons are ready to haul their shipment out tonight. We're going to stop them, he said honestly. Her worried eyes never left her, tanked them husband from his tall, powerful figure in black to his lean, scarred face and glittering green eyes. He was devastating to her, as well as mentally. He took her breath away. She hated knowing what he meant to do. She went right up to him, her dark eyes looking even darker through the lenses of her glasses. No, she said shortly. No, you don't. There are plenty of people in law enforcement who do this for a living. I'm not letting you go after those drug dealers. He took her by both shoulders, pulled her against him, and bent and kissed the breath and the protest right out of her. His arms engulfed her, cradled her, while his hard mouth devoured her soft parted lips. It was a long time before he lifted his dark head. If Lopez is allowed to set up an operation here, none of us will ever be safe again, especially you, he said quietly. If we don't stop it now, we never will. You could be killed, she said miserably. The worry on her face made him feel funny. He couldn't remember anyone caring if he lived or died, especially not his erstwhile wife, who'd only wanted creature comforts. His welfare was of supreme unimportance to her, but Lisa was kept from another sort of cloth. She was brave and honest and loyal. He searched her face and realized with a start that he could give up anything. 
even his own life, easier than he could give up Lisa. She was too young for him, of course. He kissed her again, long and hard, ignoring all the reasons why he should do his best to send her out of the door and out of his life. For her own good, of course, he rationalized. Sadly, none of those reasons made any difference when he was in five feet of her. Her arms curled around him, and she gave him back the kiss with every bit of strength in her body. It was like walking on hot coals. She couldn't get close enough. She was breathless when he lifted his head, but the resolve was still there in those narrow green eyes. It amazes me, she whispered cosplay, what lengths you're willing to go to in order to stay out of my bed. He left despite the gravity of the situation. Is that what you think? What well, was my husband? She said quietly. I was fond of him. I'm not sorry that I'll have his child, so that a part of him will live on. But you and I could have children of our own as well. It isn't biology that makes a man a father. It's love, and you aren't ever going to convince me that you won't love a baby, even if it wasn't yours genetically. He sighed gently and smoothed back her disheveled hair. I keep mixing you up with the past when you're nothing like my late wife. I don't resent Walt's baby, he shrugged. It's not the age different either, really. But you're young and I'm older than my years make me. Maybe you need someone closer to your own age. Someone like Harley, she asked deliberately. His face hardened and his eyes flashed angrily. No, hope almost deserted. Began to twinkle in her eyes. That's what I thought, he said. She pulled his head down and kissed him tenderly. I know you can take care of yourself. I've seen you do it, but don't take chances. I want to be married a very long time. You do, he murmured. Yes, I'm not going back to Dad's ranch. If you want, won't let me live in the house, I'll live in the barn with Puppy Dog and Bob and tell everybody in Jacobsville that he won't let me live with you. He was kissing her again. It was sweet and heaty, and he didn't have time for it at all. He just couldn't seem to stop. He was starting to ache, and that would never do. And I'm moving into your bedroom while you're gone, she added her voice ready with passion. So there. Maybe I can think of an objection before I come back home. He murmured against her lip. You tried to do that, she grinned. He loosened her arms and put her gently away from him, his strong hands tied on her shoulders. While I'm gone, stay in the house with the doors locked. I've got Nels on the front porch and Henry watching the back door. They're both armed. Stay away from the windows and don't answer the phone. You know where the spare pistol is? He had it and she nodded. It's loaded. She bit her lower lip, realizing from his demeanor how dangerous it would be for both of them. Okay. I'll use it if I have to, but don't let yourself get shot, she told him firmly. I know, come back with my shield or on it. She smiled and nodded. That's right, because you're not a summer soldier like Thomas Paine wrote about. You're a winter soldier fighting through blizzards. But you have to come back to me in one piece. I'll do my best to oblige, she mused, smiling back. Her eyes were soft and dark. He almost got lost in them. His, his gloved hand came up to touch her flesh cheek. What did I ever do in my life to deserve someone like you? He asked in breathless, tender voice, moved away from her because for that softness captured him. I'll be home when I can. She put up a brave front. Okay, she said, and without further protest, he paused at the doorway for one long last look of her, at her. She was hell of a woman, and he wasn't giving her up. Whether or not it would have been for her own good, he read the same resolve in her own face. She didn't cry or complain or try to stop him. She stood there very bravely and kept smiling, even though her eyes were too bright to be normal. She was still standing there when he went out into the hall and disappeared. Harley was sitting on the front porch with Nels, waiting for him with a lit cigarette and a scrap.
He got to his feet when Cy came out the door dressed in black and wearing a face mask. Harley had on jeans and boots and a camo jacket left over from his army ranger days. You aren't leaving here without me, Harley said belligerently. Who says I'm leaving? Don't insult me. Harley opened his jacket to disclose a forty five automatic. I may not be a full-fledged merc, but I was a crack shot in the Rangers, he added. And no matter how many men are going, I might still be useful. That was much better than bragging that he had combat training, so I suppose. He hesitated, but only for a minute. All right, let's go. Nels, guard her with your life, he added to his man on the porch, who nodded solemnly. Harley headed for the expedition, but his eyes shook his head. He indicated a black bronco of questionable vintage parked under a tree. There were two men already in it. Harley was shocked that he hadn't seen it at all until now. He wasn't surprised to find Eb Scott in the front seat with an unfamiliar man much bigger than Eb or Cy. Both of the newcomers dressed similar to Cy. Here, Eb said, handing a small container of black face paint to Harley. You'll shine like a new moon without a mask. Harley at least knew how to use camouflage paint. He wanted to ask half a dozen questions, the foremost of which was why his boss was going along on what was obviously a search-and-destroy mission. Then he remembered the way Cy had used that knife on the two intruders and the way he caught the pistol Harley had thrown at his retreating back. If it had long since dawned on him that his boss hadn't always been a rancher. Stubbs and Kennedy are going to rendezvous with us at the old Johnson place. Eb said tartly, We've got the sheriff's department out in force, too. You and Micah and I will set up a perimeter with the deputies and let the feds go in. Who are Stubbs and Kennedy? Harley asked. They, hey, came to cold reply. Walton Monroe was one of theirs. They get first crack at these mules. Mules, Harley recalled. We're the drug lord's transportation people. He handed the face paint back to Eb. He said the old Johnson's place, Harley began. But the warehouse is right behind Mr. Park's place. That was a damn blind, so I said shortly, to draw attention away from the real distribution points. I could kick myself for not realizing it sooner. No wonder we never saw any drugs changing hands, Harley realized. Listen, Epp said as he eased the Bronco off the main highway, down the back road that led first to the Johnson place and then to the rental house near. I want a promise from you, just on the off chance that Lopez is around. No stormtrooper stuff. Mr. Scott, I wouldn't dream, Harley began. Not you, Epp said impatiently. Him. He was staring in the rearview mirror, straight at Cy, whose eyes were glittering. He set fire to my house. So I said in a menacing tone, killed my wife and my five-year-old son. If he's there, he's mine. No power on earth will save him. Not even you. If you kill him, the DEA will string you up on the nearest court house lawn. They're welcome. So I returned grimly. And what about Lisa? When you're gone, Mike is still injecting. This isn't Africa. You're not on your own. You have to think about Lisa and her baby. Africa was a long time ago, so I said irritable, <laughs> noting Harley's intense stare. None of us have forgotten it, Micah persisted. You walked right into Anessa Sniper's with, with machine guns firing. Your clothes were shot to pieces, and you took ten hits in the body, and you kept right on going. You saved us from certain deaths. We won't forget how much we owe you. That's why we're not letting you near Lopez. If I have to knock you down and set on you, I'll do it. <laughs> They were lousy shots, I muttered. They were crack shots, I've countered. But you zagged them out by walking right into the gunfire. It won't work with Lopez's men. We have to let the DEA, DEA take point. We aren't even supposed to be in on this. I had to call on markers from all over Texas to even get this far. And to boot, I had to confess to Kennedy while we're here to protect Rodrigo from everybody in case.
He's among these guys. Don't forget that we haven't heard a word from Rodrigo. He may also be with them and unable to get a message to us. They may have killed him already, too, Si added. We won't know any till we get there. Harley, he glanced over and said, you stay close to Si. Harley was weighing the dangers of that position when Mike still began to chuckle. That's all he'll be able to do. Or don't you remember that it took Lamars and Bitterman and Dutch all together to bring him down just after Jubo was killed, and even right after company of crack government troops. Harley gasped was audible. Lamaris and... Or do you think taught us all we know, Edmund? Now put a sock in it, Harley. This is where things get dicey. He pulled up at the old Johnson place and cut off the engine. He handed out high-tech nightscopes and listening devices to Micah and Cy. Cy gave Harley a level stare. This isn't a weekend at Merck Training School, told the younger man at a firm home. If there's a firefighter, you stay out of it. Evan, Micah, and I are our team. We know... We know to do the last ditch how far we can trust each other, and we work as a unit. You're the odd man out. That being the case, you could get you somebody killed. You're back up, period. You don't shoot until until and unless one of us tells you to. Harley swallowed. He was getting the idea, and an odd sickness swelled up in his stomach. He could hardly talk because his mouth was so dry. How will we know the bad guys from the good guys? The DEA boys will have that imprinted on the back of the jackets in big letters. Palmer and Barkett from its police department and the deputies from the sheriff's department will all be in uniform. The bad guys will be trying to protect their product. Product. This is important, he added intently. If you should be captured, make damn sure that you're on the ground when we come in. Because if that happens, we have to storm the house. The first thing we'll do is take out everybody standing. Have you got that? I've got it, Harley said, but I'm not going to get myself captured. The other synchronized watches and piled out of the Bronco. With Ebb in the lead, they made their way so stealthily that Harley felt like an elephant bringing up the rear. He realized at once that his so-called training session was nothing but a waste of money, and that his inexperience could prove deadly to his comrades. Ebb deployed Micah and Sy at the edge of the woods, behind the barn. One of the feds motioned to them and to the five sheriff's deputies as he waved. Four other men in DEA jackets split and went around both sides. Everybody hesitated. Harley crouched with his heart beating him half to death. He'd been in the United States for his entire tour of duty with the Rangers, except for a brief stint in Bosania, where he had managed to get out of headquarters. He'd seen people who'd been in combat and he heard about it, but he had no practical experience, and now he felt like a high school freshman getting ready to give a book report in front of the whole class on a book he hadn't read. His knees felt like rubber under him. Time seemed to lengthen as the seconds ticked by. Then, quite suddenly, one of the government agents raised his arm high and brought it down. Move out, Ebb called to his team. It was pandemonium. Lopez's men were in civilian clothing, not the black gear that Cy and the others were wearing. The sheriff deputies and the police officers were in uniform, and the DEA boys had visible identification on their jackets. Everybody seemed to be firing at once. Harley hesitated at the sharp firecracker pop of guns going off, the sound so ominous and deadly in real life, so unlike the enhanced gunfire used in movies and television. He got a grip on his nerves, clutched his pencil, pistol in both hands, and moved out a few seconds in the general direction where Cy and Ebb had just vanished. He started to run, but he wasn't quick enough to get to cover. He ran right into the path of a submachine gun and wasn't held by one of his team. He stopped, his breath catching in his throat as he looked certain that 
certain deaths in the face for the first time in his young life. The small dark man in jeans and checkered shirt facing him ordered him in perfect English to drop his pistol. The leveled automatic weapon he was holding looked very professional. Harley's pride took a hard blow. He walked right into that by being careless, and he stilled himself for what was coming. He knew that the man wouldn't hesitate to fire on him. With a muffled curse, he dropped his automatic to the ground. One less to worry about, the foreign man said with a vicious smile. Adios, senor. Hurley heard the loud report as a shot was fired, and he tensed, eyes closed, waiting for the pain to start. But the weapon spilled out of the other man's hand an instant before it crumbled and fell forward. Get the hell out of there, Harley. Sigh raged. Harley's eyes opened to find his opponent lying very still on the ground, his eyes standing behind him. Sigh picked up Harley's forty-five and threw it to him. Get around in front of the barn. Hurry, Sai told him. Harley felt shaky, but he caught the pistol and walked rapidly past the downed man. He glanced at him and had to fight the rise of bile in his throat. Never seen anything like that. His heart was racing crazily. His mouth felt as if it had been filled with cotton. As he cleared the side of the building, he saw firefights. Some of the drug dealers' men were undercover, firing from behind the big transfer, transfer trucks. Others were in the barn. They were cornered desperate fighting for their lives if not their freedom the dea guys moved in motion into their backup their own weapons singing as they brought down man after man most of the wounds were non-lethal but the noise from the men as they fell made harley sick groans screams wasn't like that in the movies you watched the police officers palmer and barnett barrett walk right into the gunfire and drop their opponents neatly and without killing them he envied them their cool demeanor and courage. He reminded himself never to tick them off once this was all over. His whole body seemed to vibrate as he followed his boss. What had he been thinking when he enrolled in that mercenary training school? It was all just a lot of baloney, which had made him overconfident and could have gotten him killed tonight. The comparison between him and these professionals was embarrassing. Sai went into the bar alone, but now Harley didn't hesitate. He took a sharp breath, ground his teeth together, and went right in behind him, ready to back him up if it was needed. He fought the fear he felt and conquered it. Shaky legs, shaky hands, and all. He made a fool of himself once. He wasn't about to do it twice. He wasn't going to let Sai and the others down just because he had butterflies in his stomach. His lean jaw taunted with new resolve. There was a man in an expensive suit with an automatic weapon firing from behind several bales of odd-looking hay in the barn. Harley noted that he was the man who come to Sai's ranch, the pickup truck, to introduce himself. Sai's instincts were still honed to perfection. He pushed Harley to one side and stepped right into the foreign man's line of fire and raised his own weapon, taking careful aim. Not even the head of the other man was visible now as he crouched behind the barrels. Drop the gun or I'll drop you. Right through the damn product, Sai warned. The foreign man hesitated, but Sai didn't. He fired. The bullet went right through the hay and into the man, who cried out, clutching his shoulder as his weapon fell. Same arm I got with the knife, wasn't it? Sai asked coldly as he approached the man and dragged him to his feet. He pushed him back against one of the wooden posts that supported the hayloft and held his pistol right to the base of the man's neck. Where's Lopez? The drug dealer swallowed. He saw his own death inside Mask's face and those terrible glittering green eyes. Harley felt that familiar cold sickness in the pit of his stomach as the muscle of size 45 automatic pressed harder into the adversary's neck just for a few seconds. It wasn't a training exercise. The gun was real. So was the threat. He looked at his boss, at the man he thought he knew, and realized at once that Sai wasn't bluffing. Where's Lopez? Sai repeatedly pulled back the trip trigger deliberately. Please, the foreigner gasped. Please, he's in Cancun. 
Sai stared at him for just an instant longer before he jerked the man around, sent him spinning away from the protection of the bales. Hey, Kennedy, he called. One of the DEA men came forward. Here's the site boss. C told him, pushing the injured man in. I think you'll find him more than willing to talk. And if he isn't, just call me back. He added, watching the drug lords. Man, go even paler. I'll do that. Thanks, Kennedy said. The sheriff deputies and those police officers have most of them cuffed and ready to transport. We're going into the house. At least three of them managed to hold up in there. And there's a fourth man still mentioned. Missing. Watch your back. You do the same, so I said. He glanced at her. Let's check out the perimeter of the barn. Sure thing, boss. Harley drawled, but he was pale and somber, and all traces of his former cockiness was gone. He held his pistol professionally and followed his boss out the door without a trace of hesitation. For the first time, Sai was really proud of him. They trailed around back, watching the shadows merge with other shadows. There was a sudden crack of twins, and Harley spun around with his forty-five level as another man carried an automatic weapon stepped suddenly from behind one of the big trees. His lean face was unmasked, and he was definitely foreign. Hurley fired, but Sai's hand shot out and knocked the barrel straight up. Good reflexes, Hurley. Sai says, moan, but this guy's on our side. Hi, Rodrigo. He called you the unmasked newcomer. Long time no see. Muchos gracias for the timely intervention. Rodrigo replied on a husky chuckle. He moved forward, his white teeth showing, even in the darkness. It would be a pity to have come this far, to be shot by a comrade. No danger of that, Sai said with a smile as he clapped the other man on the shoulder. We were afraid they'd killed you. How are you? Disappointed, came the reply. I had hoped to apprehend Lopez, but he remained in Cancun and refused to participate. Someone was feeding him information about the movement of the government agents. He knew you were coming tonight. Damn, Sai burst out. Ibs got in Micah Steele, the tall man who accompanied him, came for Rodrigo, he greeted, shaking the other man's hand. We thought you'd been killed when we didn't hear from you. Lopez was suspicious of me, he said simply. I couldn't afford to do anything that might. Tipped my hand. He waved his hand toward the one. As it is, he was warned in time to divert the cocaine shipment and substitute this for it. He added, indicated the neat barrels. This has a significant street value, of course, but it is hardly the haul we hoped for. Harley was inspecting the hay. He frowned as he sniffed the twig of it. Hey, this is marijuana. Bales of it, Sai agreed. I noticed when we came in that the barn had a padlock on it. Now that's what I call keeping a low profile, Harley murmured around. Lock in a barn full of hay. It would have been cocoa paste if Lopez hadn't been warned, Rodrigo told Sai. What he set up behind your ranch was a small processing plant that would have turned cocoa paste into crack cocaine. If I'd had just another week, <laughs> we'd rather have your lie, Rodrigo. We aren't through yet. No, we aren't, Mike still said coldly. I have a contact in Cancun, Cancun who knows Lopez. He can get someone in the house. An inspired idea, Rodrigo said. Just don't share it with your friends over there. He added bitterly. They don't have much of a track record with infiltration. Someone else infiltrated Lopez's home once before and died for it. Excuse me? Mike asked. They lost an agent who worked for Lopez. As a housekeeper, Rodrigo said. He pushed her off his yacht. His face signed. Then he took a fancy to my sister, who was singing in a nightclub. He assaulted her, and she committed suicide at his house by throwing herself. Under the rocks below. Ebb's eyes narrowed. He was remembering some of the crazy things Rodrigo had done before he took this assignment. Behavior that had marked him as a madman. Now that means it. I'm sorry, Ebb said simply. So was I. 
Rodrigo glanced at the government agent. I'd better get out of here before that guy with the Kennedy recognized me. Who, cop? M.S. Browning. Rodrigo nodded. It was his office I ransacked, he murmured. They'd say he'll follow you to hell if you cross him. I'm inclined to believe it, Rodrigo murmured. Well, whether or not Cobb recognized me, I don't want to risk being apprehended while Lopez is still loose. I can't do any good in prison. You were never here, Abreu replied tongue-in-cheek. Absolutely, Sagar. I haven't seen you in years. Mike still lifted one huge hand to his eyes. Forgot my glasses, he murmured. I couldn't recognize my own brother without them. You don't wear glasses and you don't have a brother. So I reminded Michael Shook. No wonder I couldn't recognize him. He grinned. Hurley listened to the byplay, wondering how these men could seem so calm and unconcerned after what they'd all been through. He was sick to his stomach and shaking inside. He was putting on a good enough front to fool everyone else, apparently, though that was some small compensation. Get going, that motion to Rodrigo. Kennedy's heading, Kennedy's heading this way. Rodrigo nodded. I'll be around if you need me again. Well, remember, as I said, but it won't be infiltrating Lopez's game next time. No, but damn sure it won't. Mike still said with ice in his deep voice. Next time, we'll go at him head on, and he won't walk away. I will count the days. Rodrigo melted back into the darkness before Kennedy came around the barn and paused beside the small group. The four of you had better do a quick vanishing act, Kennedy told them. Cobb's over there asking a lot of questions about you guys, and he won't overlook a breach of departmental procedure. Since he outranks me, that wouldn't be good. As far as I'm concerned, officially, you were special agents undercover, and I don't know who you are for your own protection. You infiltrated Lopez's gang and took a powder the minute the firefight was over. Since I never knew your name, I couldn't confirm your involvement. He gave them a big run. Unofficially, thanks for your help. At least we managed to shoot down shoot down one of Lopez's little enterprises. His eyes narrowed. The man who dropped in the barn, Kennedy added, talking to Cy, was the one who popped the cap on Walt M Monroe. We've been hoping to happen on him. Cobb says he'll go down for murder one, and I guarantee he'll make it stick. Monroe was one of his new recruits. He doesn't like many people. He liked Walt. I'll pass that along to his widow, Cy said. She'll be glad. You know, Walt was a good man, he looked around. I only wish we'd had something really nasty to pin on these guys. Distribution of cocaine would have suited me better than distribution of marijuana. Yes, I agree. But even if this was small pickings, it will hurt Lopez to have a hefty portion of his transportation force out of action. Not to mention the lab he set up next to his beehive on my pro back property line. He's lost a big investment here tonight in manpower, material, and unrecoverable goods. He's really be out for blood now. None of us will be safe until he gets Lopez himself. Dream on, Kennedy said quietly. He's more slippery than a greased python. Every, even pythons, can be captured. Mike Still's eyes glared through his mouth. I've got a few friends in Nasi. We'll see what we can do about Lopez. I didn't hear you say that. Kennedy mumbled, get going before a cop gets a good look at you. I'll take it from here. Eb nodded and the others joined him for a quick jaunt back to the Johnson's place where they left the truck. Harley hadn't said a single word. Eb and Cy and Mike had talked about Lopez and discussed options for getting to him. Harley sat and looked out the window. It wasn't until Eb dropped the two men off at Cy Park's ranch, several hundred yards from the house, that Cy was able to get a good look at his foreman. Harley had the expression now, the one any combat veteran would recognize immediately. The experience tonight had taken the edge off his youth, his impulsive nature, his bravado. He matured in one night, and he'd never been the same again. 
Now, Sai told him quietly, look in the mirror. You'll see what was missing when you were talking about your exploits on a missionary training expedition. This is the real thing, Harley. Men don't fall when they get back up again. The blood is real. The screams are real. What you saw tonight is the face for No amount of money or fame is worth what you have to pay for it. Emotional capital. Harley's head turned. He looked at his boss with new eyes. You were one of them, he said. That's what he did before he came here and started raging. That's right, I said evenly. I've killed men. I've watched men die. I've watched children die. Fighting the wars none of them are making. I did it for fame and glory and money. But nothing I have now is worth the price I paid for it. He hesitated. Nothing. He added. Except that woman in my house right now. She's worth dying for. Hurley managed to wait smile. I could have gotten you all killed tonight because I didn't know what I was doing. But you didn't get us killed, Sergeant. And when the chips were down, you conquered your fear and kept going. That's the real definition of courage. Put a big, heavy hand on the other man's shoulder. You have a way with ranch management, Harley. Believe me, it's a better path than hiring yourself out to whatever army needs foreign help. At the very least, you accumulated a few bullet wounds. Harley nodded. So I saw. Good night, boss. Harley. The younger man turned. I've never been prouder of you than I was tonight. So I said quietly. Hurley tried to speak, couldn't, and settled for a jerky smile and a nod before he walked away. So I walked on toward the house, smiling faintly as he contemplated the movement of the curtains in the living room window. Before he even reached the porch, Lisa was out of the front door and flying toward him. He caught her easily as she propelled herself from the second step. He folded her clothes, whirled her around, and kissed her with his whole heart. She held on to him for dear life, tears raining down her face as she thanked God that he'd come back to her in one piece. Can I keep you? she whispered out of his lips as he picked her up and carried her inside. His heart jumped wildly. Keep me, he murmured, Nick kicking the shut kicking the door shut with a foot. Try to get rid of me. She smiled under the fierce hunger of his mouth, savoring its coolness. It's its beloved contours. As he carried her into the bedroom and kicked that door shut as well, she could feel the adrenaline surging through his powerful body, even before she felt the after-effects of passion in his hungry, devouring kisses. She had a feeling that it was going to be the most explosive, sensual night of their married lives, and she was right. End of chapter 10